Support for this podcast and the following message come from Wise, the app that makes managing your money in different currencies easy. With Wise, you can send and spend money internationally at the mid-market exchange rate. No guesswork and no hidden fees. Learn more about how Wise could work for you at wise.com. Today on State of the World, what role will Egypt play in the Mideast crisis? Thanks for listening to State of the World from NPR. We bring you the day's most vital international stories up close where they're happening. It's Friday, October 20th. I'm Greg Dixon. As families in Israel anxiously await information about the 200 hostages still being held by Hamas, a glimmer of good news. Two American citizens who were taken from an Israeli kibbutz in the Hamas attack on October 7th have now been released. Meanwhile, the situation in Gaza is largely unchanged. Two million residents there are desperately in need of relief from a total blockade by Israel. Aid trucks are still waiting to enter Gaza from Egypt. The situation next door presents serious problems for Egypt's leadership. They want to make sure they aren't drawn into the conflict or destabilized by protests. We'll hear from some of those Egyptian protests in a moment. First, NPR's Aya Betraoui talks to Asma Khalid about Egypt's dilemma. So there are aid convoys lined up in Egypt at the border with Gaza, and there are also American citizens in Gaza who want to get out. Can you explain what has been the holdup? Well, the roads inside Gaza leading to that border crossing are still being repaired after Israeli airstrikes hit there. And there are still some security concerns. But Egypt's position is very clear. That border has to open for aid to get in. And it says Israel is holding that up. Now, it's unclear exactly when that crossing will open, like you mentioned, but the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres was at the Rafah crossing. He said aid getting in is a matter of life and death. There are also Americans trapped in Gaza that desperately want to leave. Producer Nina Kravinsky talked with a Palestinian-American. Her name's Wafa Abu Zaydah. She is stuck in Gaza. She says an airstrike hit their neighbor's house yesterday while her baby was sleeping next to the window. The window broke. And I pulled him immediately and I hugged him. He was like freaking out. He was looking at me. He doesn't know what's going on. And that buzzing sound in the background while she was talking is an Israeli drone overhead. Oh, wow. So if foreigners like U.S. citizens may be able to leave Gaza, why is Egypt saying that Palestinians who are trying to flee will not be let into the country? Egypt is worried that if they let them in, they'll never be allowed to return. And that has happened repeatedly to Palestinians for generations. Egyptians and Palestinians are worried it's happening again. And let me break down what Egyptian President Abdel Fattah Hassisi laid out bluntly this week. He said there's an idea to displace Palestinians and push them into Egyptian territory. And he said the aim of the siege on Gaza is to push them into Egypt. He said if that happens, this could also lead to a push to move Palestinians from the West Bank into Jordan. Al-Sisi also said that if Palestinians are moved into Egypt's Sinai Peninsula, their resistance against Israel would move with them, basically moving their struggle from Gaza to Egypt. And that would lead to Israel striking the Sinai, drawing Egypt and Israel into direct conflict. He said if there is insistence on displacing Palestinians, why don't they just be relocated to the Negev Desert in Israel instead? So what has been the reaction of Egyptians to all of this? Well, first of all, Egypt's president did something pretty shocking. 
He called on Egyptians to protest in support of Palestinians and against their displacement. Now, in the first days of this war, his government was quietly giving directives to media outlets and to mosques to tone down their rhetoric for fear of exactly that happening. But now government loyalists have sprung into action. One lawmaker tore up a copy of the Camp David peace accords between Egypt and Israel in parliament. Thousands of people were bussed in for protests in Cairo today. But there was also a protest that wasn't state-backed, and it ended up in Tahrir Square, the epicenter of the Arab Spring uprisings over a decade ago. Police pushed and shoved the crowd out, but not before they could chant, Ya Palestine, Ehna Asfin, Ehna Kaman Mehtalin. Oh, Palestine, we're sorry, but we too are occupied. So what are the risks there of these kinds of protests for Egypt and for the Egyptian government? Well, there's already growing discontent. Egypt is in the middle of an economic crisis. I spoke with Hossam al-Hamalawi. He's a longtime Egyptian activist who now lives in exile in Europe. He says that calling for these protests, what Sisi is doing is riding on the growing wave of Egyptian anger at the carnage in Gaza. But it's a gamble because, again, he is normalizing the scenes of protests. And once you start tasting freedom, it's very difficult to forget, you know, how, how sweet this tastes. So bottom line. Egypt's president and its military leadership see this as a risk worth taking. And there's already a troop buildup at Egypt's border with Gaza, something we haven't seen in years. And Piers Aya Batrawi in Jerusalem, thanks so much. Thanks, Esma. As Aya said, the Egyptian president has called for protests in support of Palestinians. This is a big change for Egypt, where protests had been banned. Edgar Mannheimer talked to Egyptians who are getting a rare chance to go out into the streets and speak up. There are virtually no protests in Egypt these days, but there is one kind of protest the government is allowing this week. Here people are chanting, with our souls, with our blood, we sacrifice for Palestine. The protests are controlled and state-backed. They're happening under the watchful eye of police. Pro-Palestinian sentiment cuts across class and generation in Egypt. In downtown Cairo, a gray-haired food cart seller tells me all Arabs stand in solidarity with Palestinians. But he says it's the governments that are at odds with the people. Like many, he wanted to speak anonymously in order to speak freely. That's because, for years, Egypt's government has cracked down hard on protests and dissent. Nur al-Huda Zeki was detained two years ago by state security for raising the Palestinian flag in Tahrir Square to protest Israel's assault on Gaza in 2021. My friend and I were detained for four to five hours, and after verifying who we were, they let us go. But on the condition, we wouldn't do it again. Zeki is a veteran Egyptian journalist and former editor of an opposition newspaper. She says that the path to Jerusalem starts in Cairo, a familiar refrain heard in many quarters of Egypt. It means that the liberation of Palestinians is dependent on Egyptian public sentiment and support. She talks about the protests and support of the Palestinians taking place around the world. Colombia. We're seeing these things and Egyptians feel anger and shame because the Palestinian cause is our cause. Tens of thousands have been arrested over the past decade for protesting the government or even just criticizing it online. But Egyptian President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi 
has given the green light for these protests against Israel's bombardment and siege of Gaza since Hamas's attack on Israel. Along one of Cairo's many crowded and noisy streets, an endless row of second-hand clothing hangs on racks in an open-air bazaar. This is where I meet a young Egyptian seller who doesn't want to be identified for fear of repercussion. He says some have been afraid to go to the streets, and some worry protests could spark regional chaos, actually hurting Palestinians. There's also an entire generation of Egyptians in their 60s and 70s that vividly remember their country fighting two wars with Israel before the countries signed a peace treaty in 1979. Adel Abdelmonaim, a leftist intellectual and Arabic teacher, says he also remembers geography books in school identifying Israel as occupied Palestine. You grow up, became more mature, and you see that there is a reality that you cannot change. So if you believe when you were young that we have to free all Palestine and the Israeli state shouldn't be there, so now you became more modest and more mature and you see that Israel is there, why not another Palestinian state? And that's a question Egyptians continue to ask and now voice in protest. For NPR News, I'm Edgar Mannheimer in Cairo. That's the State of the World from NPR. We'll see you again soon. Drake and Kendrick Lamar have been lobbing some serious accusations at each other. You've probably heard the diss tracks and wondered, what's just a low blow and what's actually criminal? I'm Brittany Luce, host of It's Been a Minute from NPR. And I'm getting into what's art and what's worthy of criminal investigation and who those accusations hurt the most. On It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way. Stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR.